success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey, everyone, and thanks so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. And do we have someone here invincible for you today? We have the amazing Val Ontiveros. Val is often referred to as the Swiss Army Knife when it comes to business. In 2012, Val co-founded Brooklyn-based app company, Easy Tiger Apps, a highly successful business specializing in creating photo and video apps, collecting over 80 million downloads. Thanks to her business and marketing smarts, her company was featured by Apple, CNN, BuzzFeed, and Vice. On this rapid growth journey, Val got to understand how to grow a business and build a community. Energetic and vibrant, as her team members would describe her, Val adds incredible value to the business community by offering deep insights into buying culture, creative and inclusive practices, outside of the box marketing ideas, a deep understanding of social media, users' experience, and how to support business owners with a positive mission. Her insights are more valuable now than ever as today's buying markets respond to market strategies that are different to the old school approach. With a passion for helping others reach their goals, Val leads Basic Bananas U.S. in educating and supporting small businesses across the country. She's helping businesses go from good to amazing. Otherwise, Val enjoys cooking and eating. If you can't find her in the kitchen creating new recipes, she's probably out hiking with her dog, Jupiter. Val, welcome. It's so great to have you here today. Yeah, so good to be here and chat with you again. I had so much fun on our last chat. So, oh my <laughs> so gosh, to me it. too, me too. So, um, our listeners will remember, I'm sure, of uh, hearing from Franziska Iselli a few episodes ago. And so, Val is actually uh, the one that is in charge of running the U.S. operations of basic bananas here. And I'm just so excited to have you here today and to have you share with our listeners. But before we get into that, um, do me a favor. Let's tell our listeners how you got where you are today. I mean, amazing story that you have um, with what you've done in the past and how, how did you get here and what makes you invincible? 
Yeah. So, uh, well, kind of a funny story. I mean, I'm the co-creator of Basic Bananas here in the United States. And like you were saying, Francisca Izaeli, she uh, co-founded Basic Bananas. We basically support small business owners with mentoring and marketing education. So that's kind of what we're out to achieve. And not so long before I reconnected with Christo and Francisca, I was an entrepreneur myself. <laughs> so yes, there's, we had a, a co-founded Easy Tiger Apps in 2012. 2012 with my partner and boyfriend, now fiance. So we collaborated while we made it through working on a business together. Um, and so we co-founded Easy Tiger Apps and we specialized in, like you were saying, creating photo and video editing applications, mainly for iPhone and, and some for Android. Um, we started out kind of just like two kids. We had just moved to Brooklyn from California to experience New York. And we wanted to create a job for ourselves that, you know, we were able to work from anywhere. That was kind of like an early dream in the, in the 2012. I remember actually we, um, we were like thinking about launching the app and we were like, cool, we just have to make $30 a day to like maintain our life. Like that was our goal. Like $30 a day was, you know, it was just, it's so funny to, to think back on that, you know, and just like how we just started it in our apartment and we got into developing apps because we were avid social media users. So we really loved Instagram. Instagram was kind of becoming really popular at the time. And so we decided to, my boyfriend wrote a blog post that led to a book and he invested all his last bit of money, a couple grand into creating this app. And he launched that app and we were getting a bunch of mail for the business. And, and I was like, Hey, maybe, you know, these papers you're supposed to file and like send back to the state. And so he recognized, Oh, I need help managing stuff. So I started helping him kind of with the office stuff and the administrative stuff. And yeah, we just really were, were kind of trying to figure stuff out. And then we had viral success of our first app. And so kind of from that moment on, it was like, Whoa, this is like a real thing. Like let's, pour our heart and soul into this. And um, so we just started really focusing and learning as much as we could. And, you know, the app store was kind of a, a funny space. First of all, it's like super competitive, right? There's only one marketplace. Like I have to put my app in the same store as Instagram or Adobe Photoshop. So I'm competing with some big, big names. And we had to be really strategic and smart about how we did that. And then on top of that, it was just like a new type of business. Like I didn't know how to run a software company at all. And so we're just kind of trying to figure it all out. And one of the things that was super, super awesome was that we started using social media. It was a huge cornerstone of our marketing strategy and also how we connected to our audience. And so we started building a community on Instagram. I think at one point we had over 350,000 followers and we were like commenting and messaging with these people, like all these different types of people. And, and we had a really solid community and we recognized that a lot of those people were actually business owners and entrepreneurs themselves. And they were using our apps to make content for their businesses. And so it was just like, well, we're, we're entrepreneurs. It was just like a, such a supportive community. And then when we sold our business in 2012, we decided to sell it. And I reconnected back with Christo and Francisca and it really, they were looking for someone to launch basic bananas here in the United States. 
and coming from a community of entrepreneurs, like so, so many entrepreneurs that we worked with and, and built relationships with, it was just like, well, this is just a natural progression to keep like staying with my people. I'm even like the person, like if my cousin launches a business or my brother has an idea, like I want to talk strategy. I want to talk, have they thought this out? You know, how does their website look? Like I've just, I've always enjoyed talking about that stuff. And so then to be able to actually support people and like, this is my career is just amazing. It's just something I really, really enjoy doing and, and spending my time helping people grow their business. Um, I love it. That's amazing. I would, yeah. And it, you know, it's such a fun ride and not with a lot of ups and downs. And that's what I really love about your podcast is you're showing and talking about all of it. It's not just one way because there was definitely some like, oops, moments <laughs> that have happened that I'll share later. Um, but also some really, really fun ride. And, and we definitely built the life that we wanted to have and we were able to work from anywhere. Um, in fact, I, I reconnected with Christo and Francisca. I met them on a snowboarding trip. So like we were living the lifestyle that we wanted, which was really, really cool. Um, I would say though, that what makes me invincible is my resourcefulness. Um, we talked about this before, but as a business owner, you're just like wearing tons of hats or spinning a bunch of plates, whatever analogy you want to use, it could be hectic. And, you know, one day I'd be setting up Facebook ads or running our social media. And then the next day I'd be like, come communicating with an accountant and doing our bookkeeping or reading legal contracts, you know, stuff that was like, whoa, I never thought that I'd have to do this when I was just thinking of start starting an app company. Right. So it was just being out there and, and feeling like I could research and I could problem solve. Like that's something that's always benefited me. And I also think it's super important to learn new skills and to like know how to do things for yourself because you know, the fact that I had to learn QuickBooks, now I have that in my tool belt. Right. And I can now use that or help my friends or family with that. So, so learning new skills is something that's always been super fun for me. And I think it's so important because of how rapidly technology is changing. Um, the way that you do business is going to be different next year and <laughs> the way, you know, that we communicate might be different. And so, you know, having the um, ability to be adaptable and to like learn things is uh, something that I've always really valued. That's amazing. That, and you know, that, that does make you invincible, right? Because you're always, you, no matter what happens, you just keep going. Right. And you were able to, you know, start that business and sell that business and now do something else that you love and still continue to create that lifestyle. And that is amazing. So today I'm so excited to learn from you and, I, and um, you're going to be sharing with our listeners about social media strategies for small businesses. So let's jump into that. I'm super excited yeah. to, to talk about that. Yeah, me too. I mean, I really, um, you know, we've been doing kind of a lot of virtual workshops for Basic Bananas and I was like, I really want to teach one on social media just because right now usage is up on all of the platforms pretty much across the board. People are spending a lot more time at home and isolating, right? And the, the way that they're building community or just like relationships is online. Um, they're also going there to be informed or, you know, to be entertained and maybe watch a few cat videos, <laughs> you know, and I think it's important to recognize that people are still going on social media to research what they want to buy and even sometimes purchasing directly. Like you can buy things directly through Instagram and Facebook now. So it's important that 
even though we can't see each other in person, it doesn't mean that you can't build that rapport and build that connection using strategies like social media. Um, I really think it's a cool opportunity to meet people where they're spending the bulk of their time. And because the news cycle is so hectic right now and things are happening, you really have to remind people that you exist, right? I, I, I don't know if you can sympathize, but just kind of feeling a little frazzled and like, unless I get reminded of something, I'm like, oh yeah, I have to do that. Um, one of the things uh, I'm sure Francisca talked about it, it's such a passion at Basic Bananas is just that, you know, if you can really provide value and help people and you're not selling your product, like that's a big mistake, right? You're almost obligated if you are providing value and you can really, really help people. It's, it's a disservice to not sell to people. Um, and with social media, the thing that's super awesome is it just can feel like an extension of, of your company and of you. It should feel like what it would be like working with you in person or, or having a conversation with you in person. Um, so when I'm coming up with the strategies for today, I wanted to get the most value for your audience. I wanted to keep it super broad. I'm not going to dive too deep in one platform. I just wanted some principles and some overall things to be considering when applying it to social media. Awesome. Um, yeah, I just want, you know, I want you guys to leave with something today that you can like put to put to use right away. That's one of the things we're really passionate about, basic bananas. It's like no BS, <laughs> cut to the chase, let's get to the work, you know. Um, so the first thing that I always want people to consider, this is the foundation of, you know, one of our marketing strategies is just it's your who. And when I say your who, it's just it's getting really clear on who you want to be working with. And what that looks like on social media is who you want to be following you, right? It's just, it's really the key aspect of all of your marketing. It's really understanding who it is that, that your customers are and what do they find important or funny or emotional, right? This, this way you can really tailor the content that you're creating for them to provide that value and also to keep them coming back. And so when we do, uh, we do one of our exercise, when this exercise in our one page marketing plan, where we basically look at your who from two different aspects. So the first aspect you want to be thinking about is the demographic aspect of who this person is, right? Maybe think of your top five clients and say, you know, what is their age? What is their location, their gender identity? Um, you know, what brands do they wear? What kind of car do they drive? And, and really go super detailed into this information about who this person is. Some of our um, customers, they actually go and they'll like cut a picture out of a magazine, some of our Clever Bunch members and post it up on the wall. Like this is the most important person in our business. Let's list out everything we know about them, right? And then the second aspect we look at is it's what's called their psychographics. And this is just what are their wants and what are their problems, right? Because knowing the wants and the problems, this, this starts you to be thinking about how you add value to them. And really good marketing is about adding value and really understanding how your products or services deliver on, on the things that they want in their life. So a good place to start is maybe list out like five or six of these wants and problems and then go through each one and write down, okay, how do my products or services either help them to get this want or how does it solve one of the problems they have? And then you'll have a nice list of things that you'll want to touch on when it comes to actually creating the content for your social media channel. 
And one thing to always consider, so we actually do this exercise every three months at Basic Bananas. For like 10 years, every three months, we do this exercise. And the reason why is because, A, it works, but it also, your audience is going to change over time, right? It might be a totally different segment that you start working with or, you know, your audience matures and all of a sudden what's going on for them is different. Or, you know, like we've all seen uh, this year, the world (laughs) might change (laughs) and their problems and wants might change, right? (laughs) So it's really important that you're staying on top of those and and really getting a pulse of that. So one cool example, um, one of our Clever Bunch graduates, her name is Alana Horwich. She's a chef. And so she was, wrote a book, fantastic cookbook. And she also was teaching cooking classes. So now all of her classes have to be virtual, right? Like she can't be in person. So she's adapting the content to, to virtual. And then she also recognized that, wow, there's a new challenge my uh, top clients are facing. And that is that their kids are now home with them, right? They're not alone where they could just like cut and chop and just, you know, not have to deal with family. And so she started incorporating these kids cooking classes, which were like, that was so genius of her. So it's like family friendly recipes, bring the kids, let's all cook together. So she was really smart about, you know, recognizing what are these challenges and how can I add value and provide for those uh, customers right now. Um, And I think it really shows and you'll see that her audience is just super connected to what she's doing because it feels like a two-way conversation, which I think is fantastic. That is brilliant. And I think a lot of people have had to do that, right? As you mentioned, uh, over the last few months, uh, no matter what you do, you're doing it virtual or you're not doing it at all, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so how can you meet people where they are and how can you, you know, make sure that they have everything they need to be successful if they're going to spend time hanging out with you? (laughs) I love it. That's a great, I love the story too, about how she did that with the kids cooking classes. That's amazing. And they were like, so cute. I would say the cuteness factor of her videos went up like a hundred percent. Like you have these cute little kids, like helping crush, you know, pretzels and stuff. It was really, really awesome. (laughs) That is, I would that say is awesome. also, like when it comes to your who, I think it's important to recognize, like, based on what social platforms you're hanging out on, like, you're going to have different people on those channels, right? So, you know, some, demo, some demographics are kind of relative to the different social platforms, like TikTok is a much younger audience, where LinkedIn is like, a lot very professional. So recognizing, A, you don't need to be on every platform. At Basic Bananas, it's all about, you know, less is more and doing it really well. So kind of just focusing on the one or two platforms where your people are actually hanging out. And so you have to take the time to get to know them, to know where they're spending their time. And then recognizing, hey, are, is it kind of congruent across all my platforms? So we were actually, you know, one of our graduates is a school based in Seattle. It's Market Square Education. They're a continuation high school. And so they support students, but they also support parents and guidance counselors. And they, we did like a little audit of their social media and it was like, well, look on Instagram, these are all your students following you. And so the way you're communicating with them should be less formal. Um, It should be more about the challenges that they're facing. You can have a lot more fun. And then on LinkedIn, let's really spend some time 
you know, positioning you as an authority in the space where parents and teachers are looking to you as a trusted advisor on, you know, how they can be supporting their teens. And so the, the content was like very, very different. And the goals on each platform was really, really different. But by just focusing on those two, it really, it made their work a lot more streamlined, but it also, their content was just great. It was like, whoa, you have to come and read this. It's like super shareable, right? Because they're really, really putting in their value and their heart and soul into the content. I love that. That's amazing. That, you know, marketing has always been such a amazing topic to me. I feel like you have to have that mind, right? I don't think that just comes natural to people. Like I couldn't, it's very difficult for me to figure those things out. Like I need to have professionals around me to help me for sure. Like I just find, you know, I guess some people are just wired for it, but that is brilliant. So brilliant. And I love what you said about less is more and just get really good at what you do. So that, that is so great. Um, how has basic bananas um, shifted? I mean, like you guys were traveling and doing workshops. And so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So everything is virtual now, which has been like it on one hand, it's super fantastic because no one's commuting and people can, can, you know, be home and without that commute, they're really able to spend that extra time on their marketing. Um, but we do definitely miss the in-person, like the camaraderie. And so, you know, we've had to adapt and get really good at using zoom and really creating a space that feels like you're walking into the office and it's like super fun. Like if you tune into our uh, virtual sessions that, uh, that, that are led from the headquarters, you'll see it's like a camera in the room. So it's not like we're not in the frame and you're just looking at our slides. It's like, no, you're still feeling like you're sitting across the table from us. So, so that's something that's been really smart that we've integrated to, to still, how can we make it feel playful? Cause that's one of our values of how can we make everything feel playful, but also how can we make it feel personal and not so formal and not so stuffy. Um, so, so that's been one of the things that we've implemented. And then we've, we started to integrate more webinar series, just like little value ads because because as things have been changing super rapidly, um, we wanted to really help people and address maybe some of the new challenges that they're facing. And so we started doing a series called the PJ Party Series. And then we actually leave them in our pajamas. <laughs> and so that's just something that's like really playful that we get to do and, and it's fun and people know that they can just like come and like it's gonna be a good time and it's not gonna be so serious. And so that's another thing that we've done to just adapt as well as just being extremely available online. Like we communicate so much through Instagram, through Facebook Messenger, um, and just really being available for our clients if they have a question, and, and even just our fans and followers. Um, if you know, if there's something you want to know about, send us a question, and we'll probably do a post or a webinar about it. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, I was thinking as well when you were talking about this is that you are now able to serve such a bigger community, right? Because people that weren't local or weren't traveling to where your workshops were now anyone from anywhere can be a part of that yeah exactly and that's been really cool to get people from different countries in an online group together and have some insights into hey what's working in canada or what's working in switzerland or how is the market different um and just also having people feel like super supported by a global community which has been really fun the accents are hilarious <laughs> um, but it's been really really fun that's awesome that is so great all right any other tips for us today on yes. social media yeah, yeah. 
I have two more. So the next one is just to be proactive. The number one question I get is how do I get more followers? And the way I see it is that online relationships work a lot like offline relationships. You have to be proactive if you want to build that connection, right? It's like you can't just open a restaurant and open the door and say, all right, like where's all the people? And it's the same on social media. You can't just like start a profile and then expect everyone to know about it and come and check it out. And so I always like to think about the two different types of uh, online interaction or engagement is like another word that you hear, a buzzword. And it's basically, I break it down into two different kinds. So there's the reactive and that's just responding, right? So if somebody comments on your post, you respond or if somebody sends you a message, you reply. And, and that's kind of the bare minimum of just being reactive. And then the other one is being proactive. And this is incorporating strategies to actually go out and find people to work with. And so, you know, going online and going into, you know, whatever platform you're using and finding who your clients are, finding them and actually following them and maybe liking on like their photos or commenting. If they post about your business, you take the time to reshare it and, and get the buzz going that way. So this works twofold because one, you're, you're kind of creating that connection and letting people know that you have a social media account. And then the other thing you're doing is it's allowing you to kind of learn more about your customers. So speaking back to the who, it's really you're, you get to flesh out more of who this person is and, and what are their interests. Um, a couple other proactive strategies that I, I like to think about is also using hashtags. Um, this basically is a, is a tool within social media that allows you to make your posts instantly searchable. So they basically become indexed by whatever word or phrase that you're using in your hashtag. And so it gets in front of people who are actually interested on what you're talking about. Um, obviously, you want to make sure that these are relevant to what you're posting because you wouldn't want to put it in front of somebody and then it actually isn't relevant. So definitely be smart and strategize. Maybe it's specific words or phrases that your industry uses. We work with some real estate agents that you know, are smart about, oh, this is a mid-century modern house in Los Angeles. So that if people are interested in that, it's really easy for them to find that. Um, I will say that this is mainly for Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram is where hashtags are the most relevant, but uh, it still stands that you're going to want to be thinking about what are the keywords and the key phrases that your audience is using and make sure that you're using them in your posts, even if you're not hashtagging those posts, just because you, uh, you want to be relatable and you want people to know that you know what you're talking about. And then the That's other awesome. proactive thing, which... Um, is people love and hate this one is use video. <laughs> video really allows people to feel super connected to you. I know that if you can't physically be with people, this is kind of the next best thing to building this kind of connection. And you're actually able to build rapport much faster with people um, with video than you can do with photos and, and text that they have to read. And I think the, the one thing that people are, are super afraid about is that they're going to look bad or it's not, you know, perfectly light, like lit and things like that. But really the more natural the video, usually the better it performs because when something's overly produced, we're like, this isn't real. Um, but if it's just you in the daylight, you know, saying a little bit about what you do or a little bit of some value or some help for your clients, I mean, that goes a long way. You get to actually demonstrate, you know, what you're talking about. And even if you do mess up your words or anything like that, just know you can always reshoot it. You don't have to post it right away. Um, you know, there's a lot of different kind of tools and technology right now on social media that allows you to kind of practice. There's um, stories that, that's on Instagram, Facebook, 
Um, even TikTok, you can do like little 15 second video clips. So this doesn't have to be like a super long dissertation or anything. It can be, hey, I have 10 seconds that I wanted to share this tip with you on how you can get the most out of my product or my service. Or I want to show you a little behind the scenes of the office or some of my team. So it's helping you to connect and, and really feel what it's going to be like to work with them. And then once you're more comfortable, maybe you want to consider doing long form content or things like going live where you can actually, you know, you're streaming real time to people and they can comment, they can interact with you via chat. Um, that's also a really, really fun way to, to build connection and, and to learn more about your audience. Those are great tips. So I have, I do have a question, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. Um, is there a rule when you do these, you know, these live videos? I know like the short ones are great, but if you do something a little bit longer, what is kind of the rule of thumb, like, so that you're not losing people because you're going on too long and things like that? Yeah, I mean, so long form could be anywhere from like five to 15 minute content. Um, and you know, shorter is better. Like if something can be consumed in five minutes or less, it's pretty hard to resist, <laughs> right? Especially if you're just scrolling on social media. So I like to keep it five minutes or less and really just keep it, you know, focused. You want to make sure that you say your name and your brand name. So people can remember that, especially if you're going to put in some value that you're going to give and then, you know, keep it to a couple of actionable steps or, you know, let's say you, uh, have like some sort of product that you're launching. You can also do little videos about, you know, the product launch and, and kind of get teasers and get people excited as well. And those I would keep a little bit shorter, but really just think about, you know, what are one or two things my audience needs to know and, you know, deliver that. Perfect. All right. Well, these have been great. So let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, the best place to find me and reach out to me would be through the Basic Bananas social media accounts. So at Basic Bananas on all of our platforms, um, I make cameos there as well. And we're always checking the inbox. So that's the best way to find me online. And you can always feel free to email me. It's just Valerie at BasicBananas.com. Fabulous. All right. Well, now, you know, we're taking a turn and we are, we promise our listeners that on the She's Invincible podcast, we are going to feature fierce female entrepreneurs and we are going to share, which, oh my gosh, you really shared a lot today that our listeners can take and put into practice and really change their game right now. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. But we also promise them that we are going to let them in behind the scenes and while you are so brilliant and have shared so much, we know that every successful entrepreneur has a journey and the journey is always filled with the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? I haven't met an entrepreneur who has been successful yet, who has not overcome tremendous obstacles and gotten back up and uh, back on track. And I know that, that you've experienced that as well. And so we're going to share some of those stories right now. So let's start with the good. I, you know, I always tell people, tell me the good news first. So <laughs> let's give them the good news first. Do you want to share one of your good or great stories of your journey with us? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I was like, it, this was like a fun little project to like kind of think back on the business and talking to my fiance and like, you know, there were so many 
successes that we had, like we had app store features and high revenue days, but it kept coming back to this one um, day where actually I remember quitting my job. When we started our business, I was a bartender and a waitress. Like those are the, you know, I went out and got myself a couple of jobs to survive in New York. And the day that I was able to quit those jobs and just work full time on our business, um, that made it feel super, super real um, that all of a sudden we were, you know, building the lifestyle that we wanted to create. And like more than like, you know, uh, press or more revenue, like, that's what we were in business for. I mean, was the freedom, right? The $30 a day work from anywhere lifestyle was, was what our goal was. And, um, and, and that's what we were, that was what we were in business for. was just the freedom. And so being able to quit my job and like be like, yeah, my schedule's open. Like we can, you know, work from anywhere. That was really, that was surreal. And like, that was definitely like highlight for me. It probably didn't, it didn't hurt that like my boss was like not the nicest guy at the bar that I worked at. And I like, it was like the only job I had ever like walked out and quit on that day. And so that also was really interesting. <laughs> that felt good, right? Then finally yeah. you could tell him <laughs> I'm out of I'm here. I'm not coming back. <laughs> I'm not coming back. Thanks, but no thanks. And so yeah. um, that was, it was like a television kind of moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we reached our goal. We made $30 a day and now we're out of here, yeah. right? Oh my gosh. Bye. <laughs> that is so great. That is so great. Okay, so let's talk about the band. So I'm sure there's been, you know, things that you have come up against that you've had to figure out or whatever on your journey. So share with us something that was bad. Yeah, so you know, after we had built, we ended up launching over seven apps over the course of having our business. And after launching maybe three apps that were pretty successful, um, we started, I don't want to say we got cocky, but we started getting comfortable <laughs> in what our formula was for creating and developing, you know, the next app and the next thing where we we're going to do. And so we had spent quite a bit of time and about $10,000 working on one of our new apps. It was called Moments and it was kind of like a photo. You could add a bunch of photos and create a slideshow and had all these like fun editing tools to kind of create movies with. And we were like, this is going to be awesome. We were like so excited. We had a whole marketing campaign for it. We we're like, yes, this is the future of Easy Tiger apps. And so we launched it and it was doing pretty good uh, for the first couple of months. And then Instagram launched an app that did the exact same thing as our app. And so our app tanked. I mean, we couldn't compete with Instagram on the ad spend or the technology, you know, and the, you know, the market share that they have in being able to cross promote was just like, it was not something that we could um, challenge. And so that app kind of was a little bit of a dud and we were, you know, we licked our wounds a little bit. We were pretty bummed on that. Um, but it was like a really good thing that we learned, which was a, you can't have everything figured out. You have to be ready to what they like to say in the tech industry, pivot, <laughs> pivot and change up your strategy a little bit. Um, and it was, it was a humbling experience, but I'm, you know, at the end of the day, I'm glad it happened. We, we went on to launch other apps that were successful. So we pivoted correctly but, and it was about really learning, you know, what we did and how we could maybe not repeat such an expensive mistake in the future <laughs> and really focus on, you know, what is that MVP or the minimum viable product? Like what's the really the basics that you need to launch something? And then if it does well, you can add some more bells and whistles to it. You can always improve on something. It's just getting the idea out there. Um, that's the way to go. 
Wow. But isn't it cool that you were thinking and creating the same thing that Instagram was creating at the same time? I feel yes, like that's that like, cool. that's like so bittersweet. You're like, ah, they tanked our app. But at the same time, you're like, man, we are so out of our time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. have our so, finger on the pulse. <laughs> yes. And I think that is so cool and amazing. And so we know that there's even more than just bad stories, right? Some days are just downright ugly. So do you have a story that you can share with us that was just downright ugly? Yeah, definitely. So um, I should clarify that in Easy Tiger Apps, you know, we were figuring out a lot of stuff, but one of the things we were not doing ourselves was coding the apps. We were more of the creative aspect, the marketing and the operations. So we actually hire different teams to code the app depending on, you know, the platform and who made the most sense for the for the job. And our first app, um, you know, it was our first foray into working with a freelancer and kind of what does that look like? And um the fact that it launched the app, we were like super excited. And then, I don't know, maybe I want to say like a year later, we noticed a competitor app on the market that looked a lot like our app. <laughs> and when we downloaded just to research our you know, competition, we, we opened the app and we were like, this is our app. Uh, we're pretty sure that the developer ended up selling the code to like another business. And so he kind of, you, you know, cheated. It was a little bit of a violation. It made us feel really bummed that, you know, we worked with this guy for so many months and we thought we did build a rapport with him. Um, and then he went around and just kind of sold it to someone else so much. So like super egregious, like we opened the app and one of the pop-ups came up and it still said our app name in the pop-up. So we like knew it was, it was definitely our code. Like it wasn't like, oh, they just kind of copied the look of it. It was like definitely our app. Um, luckily, uh, you know, cause it was like not the best copycat job. Apple was able to help us and get that taken off the store, but you know, it still felt like, you know, just, it was a bummer. And, and whenever you're putting your trust in other people running your business, you know, you, uh, if you, if you don't read that situation, right, it's hard not to feel a little bit, you know skeptical of people in the future. <laughs> so not trying to like get into that state of mind, but um, yeah, that one really sucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big time. So let's do this. I, yeah. I feel like here's, I feel like there's some value in sharing a little bit about what you learned and how you're doing things different since then, because right now we're all kind of in a situation where we are outsourcing, we are hiring overseas. That is a big thing now. You know, we, we may not be, you know, um, we may be doing business for the first time with people we don't really know. And, and you, like you said, like we're putting our trust in that and then they really could uh, go ahead and do something like they did to you. So uh, what, what are you doing or what do you recommend that people do to try to do their best to avoid those types of situations? Yeah. So, you know, at the time we were working through a platform, it was called Odesk at the time, but now it's switched to Upwork. And there's a ton of these types of platforms, Upwork, Fiverr, things like that. And I would suggest um, to, to do the work through those platforms because then you have a time-stamped contract where it tell you know, this is what I wanted. This is when you agreed to that. This was the timeline we agreed to. And a lot of times those platforms will act as an escrow service. So, you know, they send you the work, you send the money, they hold the money, they send the work and then the money gets released. So it gives you a little bit of security in knowing that you're going to get what you want and they're able to help settle some disputes um, along those lines as well. 
So I would definitely suggest working within that. And if, if you don't feel comfortable working within a platform, definitely make sure that you work with a lawyer and a legal team um, that can help you to draft the right con contracts for the job that you are wanting to um, hire for. I know that one of the things that really helped us early on was I took a class on legal basics for business startups um, through actually FIT in New York. It was like an adult continuation class and it was taught by a lawyer and that lawyer said that um, you need to consider lawyers like doctors and you should go to them regularly, not when you're already sick. <laughs> and that was such a smart thing because luckily we had used a platform to hire this guy. And so being able to show all of that information to Apple of like, this is when we hired him. This is the, the brief of the app and all of that stuff really helped in our favor to make sure that we were able to reconcile that. Um, and I know sometimes, especially maybe if you're working with a friend or a family member or a friend of a friend, you want to just go and get straight to the work and kind of do the fun stuff but it's really smart to have some sort of contract even if it's just an email that you're written between you two where they agree and you have the terms outlined it can really really help you in the future um you know should a problem arise okay val well this has been so great to have you so before we wrap this up i just want to say is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners any final words or anything else that you want to share yeah, absolutely. I'd love if you guys could find us, basicbananas.com. If you found today valuable, you can come check out all of the other workshops that we're offering. We have a blast off marketing workshop where we're going to talk a lot more about the who coming up um, next month in September. And I also, if you are tackling Instagram, I have a teach me to Instagram course that we also offer. So I'd love if you can come check us out there. Thank you so much for all of the um, amazing stuff you're putting out there into the world and interviewing all of these different entrepreneurs and just really showing, you know, the truth behind business and, and really helping to inspire and support each other. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of that. I appreciate that so much. And if you are listening today, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl, get back up. You can do it. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.